Hello and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I am Christian Jack. Today I'm joined by Marty Thompson and Charlie O'Connor-Clark to recap one of the best days in league history in terms of storylines. Uh, but not exactly if you're a fan of Halifax Cavalry or Pacific. But stay with us. We will recap your team and maybe their demise uh, on Saturday could be influential in their season as well. Results from Super Saturday were Forge 4, Halifax Wanderers 1, Cavalry 2, Valor 4. That's right, 2-4. Not a scoreline you get very often in any league. And Pacific 1, York United 2. 14 goals from three matches. Some brilliant ones at that. Some controversial ones. Uh, good morning, good morning, fellas. Uh, can you pick a favorite goal from the weekend? There were some dramatic ones. Um, I was going to throw one out there, but I don't want to steal your thunder. Charlie, you got one, a favorite goal? I think for me, it's definitely Sebastian Costello. 10 seconds off the bench. <laughs> yes. <laughs> his first touch of the game for his first professional goal. It doesn't, it doesn't get much cooler than that, to be honest. It doesn't get much cooler. And great to see Forge social media post that great video as well, where he just kept the ISO cam on as he ran on the pitch. Yeah. Oh, I was man. in the press box at the time, and we were all wondering whether they were going to get to 100 goals in the Canadian Premier League. And we're also going to wonder whether Navarro was going to get a hat-trick. No, no hat-trick ever for Forge, by the way. Yep. They've never had a hat-trick. And what happens? He gets taken off, and in the very spot that he was about to play in, he could have—he was walking behind the goal as it goes in. Uh, so, yeah, great shout for that, and uh, congratulations to Forge on the century. Marty, your favorite goal of the week? Uh, I think I have to take Lowell Wright. Um, what a turn, what a hit. That was a, a beautiful shot, and there were some great angles there from Starlight Stadium. I think I'm going to take that one. Yeah, it's a good one too. As I said, many choices. Uh, you know, Schwanier's blast was a terrific yes. goal as well. Alex uh, Marshall as well had a decent Marshall, one. yeah. I think yeah. I'm gonna go with Alleman just because it was one yes. of those goals that just sit they just sat up perfectly. And he also just had that swagger where it just went in. It was like, Yeah, I can score goals like that. Just to, it was a four yeah. two goal in the ninety fourth minute and he had no interest in celebrating. He's just <laughs> it, it was awesome. I loved yeah. it. Here we are and now with uh wow, very little games left. Pacific top of the league. 45 points from 27. Here come Forge. One back with three games in hand. 44 points from 24. Cavalry, 44 points from 26. They have all clinched. The race for fourth is fascinating. York in pole position, 36 points from 26. Valor, two points back with 21 games to play. 27 games played, 34 points. And the same for Halifax, 27 games played. 34 points as well uh, we'll get into all the ramifications and what's to come but we must start out west we'll work our way back to front this week uh in a game that had a remarkable number of storylines but the biggest one it was probably the result itself uh in terms of playoff implications pacific one york united two where do we start here uh gentlemen <laughs> maybe we start with this we can maybe get into the referee in a second, but what about Pacific? They played games in June, July, August, and September this year and lost four games across four months. And then in October, they lost four games in the month of October itself. <laughs> Is this a concern, Mr. Pacific himself, Marty Thompson? Are you worried? <laughs> what did I say last week or two weeks ago? Uh, Pacific's just going to be doing Pacific. Maybe Pacific's now just about losing games. Um, I... <sighs> I think it has to be considered a concern. I know we're going to get into the potential suspensions and, and the players they are going to be losing uh, over the next couple of games and going into the playoffs. But, man, just something about that match just gave you kind of a queasy feeling. Maybe it was the referee. I don't know. But it, there was something about it from a Pacific point of view. And I'm sure we're going to have Pacific fans commenting on this that it just just didn't quite sit right, especially in the second half. 
No, and it's interesting that Palmer Ducard took that line as well, right? He could have had yeah. a very a number of different things to say about the referee decisions, but in the end, didn't seem like he was giving his team any path in no. terms of giving a, 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 a you know a pass in in all of this. It was like, no, we just you know we decide our own destiny here. Conceding goals when they're leading the game, ultimately, that is not a good thing, right? Jolly, they conceded, I think now, six yeah. of the last eight, they've conceded at least two goals in a game. You don't win many games if you concede two. Yeah, well, this is maybe the duality of Pacific, because in this match week, you remember, they dismantled Edmonton 5-1 Brilliant. Yeah. just a few yeah. days ago, yeah. right? And that's one of the most complete games I think we've ever seen from a CPL team. And then they come out against York in another massive game for them, their last home game of the regular season. And it just wasn't there. It wasn't there to the same extent that it was on Tuesday. And, you know, I think Pamaduka hinted a little bit in, in the post-match press conference that, you know, it's possible that they have an eye on Wednesday, that Canadian championship tie with TFC. Uh, but again, you can't, he, he doesn't want to give them excuses, right? They're, no. they, they were outplayed by York, especially in the second half in this game. Uh, in, in many senses after York made their changes. And I'm sure we'll talk about York in a bit in a minute. But uh yeah, Pacific are a, they're a strange team. Like they they some nights they're they look like the best team in the league and some nights they just don't necessarily have it to that extent. And I'm not sure necessarily why that is. Yeah, and you mentioned it he did say that they didn't pre-match. He did tell us on one soccer. They didn't want to keep thinking about TFC one game at a time, but his lineup dictated that. No, I mean, no Diaz, no Chung. There was a few things there. You could see that they're looking forward this weekend. Campbell is suspended for the TFC game. He played through the middle. Don't think that's his best position by the way, but that's, you know, for me, they missed Diaz in that position a lot. Uh, but let's get into it because despite them not playing at their best, they were still winning one nil in what was a, a clear penalty in the first half that, that, that for some reason Lucas McNaughton took. And then they went and scored a goal again with Campbell getting a goal. Then they could have been up by two goals to nil. Again, another penalty. Again, Campania on the box in her, on Josh Hurd. But they didn't get that call. And it, I think if they did get that call, I'm pretty sure McNaughton wouldn't have been given the ball. And I'm pretty sure a guy called Bustos or Campbell would have took the penalty. And they haven't missed this season. So is it is it... Pretty simple to say, Marty, that this game did turn on referee decisions and we could easily have been talking about a Pacific victory here, despite them not playing at their best. Yes, and perhaps more than just this game has turned because of these referee decisions. I know you just kind of touched on it there, but obviously McNaughton, um, uh, from a certain angle, looked like he was attempting to to do the 150-meter hurdles, uh, just trying to jump two defenders and, and went down and obviously getting that yellow card for simulation and now you know, out for, for the semifinals, uh, the two-match suspension, um, that's going to be massive. These points dropped potentially. Again, that could change Pacific FC season. We're going to get a little bit into to what the standings look like right now. But, man, it's just – it's more than just that game. Considering considering the magnitude of it, the fact that, again, McNaughton laying on the ground, given a yellow card, he knows what that yeah. means, and he absolutely freaked out. And, of course, he should have. Um, more than just that game more than just that game it affected were you surprised McNaughton took the ball for the penalty I was staggered yes. yeah well, uh it sounds like so was Pa yeah as Carr said in, in his post-match comments as well like there are three penalty takers on the pitch for that team and none of them were Lucas McNaughton so he was he was yeah. basically saying I don't know why none of those three wanted to step up we could you know speculate probably pretty easily on who they are but it was very surprising and just kind of 
in all in all, it's a very frustrating day for Lucas McNaughton, who's been yeah, one of the best defenders true. in the league this year. Yeah, crucial moment, right? I mean, we've seen it many times around the world. I've seen the big, the, the best, you name the best managers in the world. Sometimes they get asked this question. Sometimes players go rogue. Um, and then they say, look, I have clear penalty day because I need the leadership on the pitch. And they, these moments need to happen sometimes for them to say, look, this cannot happen again. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't expect Palmer Ducar with all the things he's got to build up to on Saturday to say, do not take a penalty, Lucas McNaughton. You know what I mean? Like, But I'm pretty sure, I mean, if you watch the replay, we saw different angles. York actually put out a, 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 a shot of their own video that you could see Marco Bustos wants the ball. Like he's talking to him, mm-hmm. he wants the ball. And then suddenly somebody says something or somebody breaks rank and McNaughton takes it. I, I was really surprised, guys. Really surprised. They, they were 100% from the spot this season. Taron Campbell's taking penalties. Bustos has taken penalties. Like you said, there was another one there. Probably Bassett, who could probably have taken one ahead of him. I think Heard well. might have taken a penalty Maybe at some Heard. point. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. So, like, there's a lot of guys there who could have taken the penalty ahead of him. In the end, though, they didn't They didn't score, but they still took the lead. Um, we're going to get to York in a second because I know a lot of people on social media were saying we buried the lead on the postgame show uh, on the weekend. But the lead was the, 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 the fact that the league leaders gave up the lead here and, and, and lost the game with these referee decisions. The McNaughton suspension, before we get to York, is unfortunate, is it not? I mean, ultimately, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the rules, the reading of the rules are pretty clear. Um, and I, you know, I can pull it up if you need me to read it and maybe I'll find it in a second, but it does say that that it continues into games other than the championship match, but we need to clarify something here that we've never had this playoff system before where we've had other than (laughs) a championship match, right? So it feels like it's something that can be changed and, and potentially should be changed going forward after this year, Marty, because we, nobody wants to see a player miss a game for yellow card accumulation in the regular season over 27, 28 games on a season game defining match in a semifinal. Patiently waiting for the uh, disciplinary report to come from Canada soccer in my email inbox, hopefully today. Uh, just waiting to see. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's, I, I've got something here. I think it's definitely, yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's come down. It's okay. Come maybe down, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you, you got the email. I didn't, that's okay. I'll have a um, look right now. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at the ruling right now first. Carry on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just, just quickly on McNaughton, like, yeah, how that game turned in him, right? I mean, you could you could say why did he take the ball, but at the same time, like this is this is very much his team as much as it is Marco Bustos, right? He leads the team in minutes played. This back line is his. He's been here for three years. Like he's grown into this. Yeah. He's grown in a P- PFC shirt so well, and it's like it's just so disappointing because I know you touched on the broadcast, KJ. Like he's he he would be like a top five player in this league that you would want to have. Uh, for an important game like he's just been that consistent he's been that good it's just so disappointing for him considering the context yeah i feel for him no doubt um the ruling is uh, matches exempt from an automatic period of suspension arising from an accumulation of cautions a the following matches shall be exempt from an automatic period of suspension arising from an accumulation of cautions by players under paragraph 7a number one the final round of the canadian championship number two the championship match slash matches Mm. of the cpl so right. the championship match slash matches. matches, but it's still not a championship match because it's the semi-final. So that's yeah. why he will be officially suspended for that game. Uh, yeah, York. Now, York. we said last week, we read out some stats about three wins in 14, three losses in 17. What stat tells us the most about them? Their answer was clear. The answer is three losses in 17. A resilient, tough bunch that I don't think played that well in the second half, despite coming back in the game. They couldn't continue. The, they, they couldn't maintain possession. They couldn't string 
four or five passes together. They'll admit that it wasn't that kind of game. It was a game that was very up and up and down. It was dis- you know I thought it was quite a disruptive game of football. There wasn't a lot of fluidity to it, but they found a way to win a match they needed to win. And this is something about them, Charlie, that we have to say is a real symbolic moment that again that this team is a together team that finds ways to stay in games and they're resilient yeah. and they're tough it's absolutely that it's always about responses right they played in ottawa last weekend looked really bad for the most part but still managed to get a bit of a result there they come into pacific here against the league leaders and again they responded even if they aren't playing at the top of their game you know they absolutely have another gear that we've seen from them this year but they still found a massive result that you know, arguably might end up being one of the most important results of their season. Right. Uh, as we had done a stretch here. But yeah, they they really did show that that resiliency. And I think that's what Jimmy Brennan was kind of highlighting after the game. That's really what it is from this team. They are a team that has traditionally been able to stay in the fight late in games. You know, they've conceded first quite a few times, which is a concern of itself. But on the other side of that, they come back quite a lot. They get back into games and, you know, that's, the reason that they're still in this playoff hunt and, and arguably in pole position for it. You mentioned pole position to come for them. Forge at home, November 6th, this Saturday win. And they're in forge at home, November 9th, the following Wednesday, simple two points from two. And they are in Marty. This is working out pretty well for them right now, because it's also, we're going to get to this later, but it's also looking more and more likely that forge will play at home. It is number one seed. Uh, and I think if you're York, you'd rather have them. No, you don't have to travel. You've been there. You've won them. You beat them already there. You don't fear them. Um, don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but this is all no. coming up York right now. York. Yeah, it's all coming up Millhouse. Um, York York has played quite well against Forge over the balance yeah. of the season. And you're going to have two games against them going into the playoffs. I think that actually does value York quite a bit. Like, you know, again, you have these two games back to back to close the season. And then whether it's down to Tim Hortons field, they don't really, you know, they don't really seem to care, right? You think about that, that win that they had, uh, I think that was in August where I think Forge had something like, remember like 20 shots and they just failed to score. Babuli had a bunch of clear cut chances and York just walked away with the three points. And yeah, they was were, that game. They, Rivera got sent off too. That's right. Yeah. They yeah. were, they were, they were giddy. Like they were, they were happy. So yeah. I mean, if you can channel that energy, I don't know. That's, it's not as straightforward as you think. And just if you're Forge here in these last two games against York, you don't want to play them in that playoff game, right? No, if you're Forge, right. you would nope. much rather play Halifax or Valor at the moment. Yep. So these are going to be quite interesting games. What about Lowell Wright, guys? Because this is a guy that obviously gets the headlines. He's in the Gatorade team of the week for a reason this week. 18 years old, right? Like, you know, it's still a young pop. But scores a goal of an immense quality in our league. The way he rolled the ball over with over his his foot and then was able to put it in the corner. You know, I think they've actually done quite well in managing this player. I think he played too many minutes in the bubble when they didn't really have other people. But I was just looking there. He started two of their last eighteen games. That's it outside the bubble. Played significant minutes off on on when he comes into the pitch. And I ring I bring that up first, Marty, because. It's not easy for substitutes at any level to come on and make a difference. But this is a player that we saw last week in Ottawa come on and smash the bar, comes on right away, sets up the first goal, scores the second goal. And for a young player to come in and get right into the game shows a lot about where he's at mentally and and really, again, beyond his years. You're bang on. Just the maturity from from the first moments he had with this team, even even in 2020, right? He, he Youngest goal scorer in the league. 
uh, when he converted the Island games, it's been there from, it's been there from day one. That's why, I mean, he, he has to be considered a top prospect in this league. He has to be considered to be one of these players. That's uh, again, players that people talk about him all the time. Like he's, 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 he's a special player and he might be the next one to move on. Right. It's, 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 it's totally in the cards for the wall right, right now. Yeah. yeah. Charlie, what, what impressed you the most about him this weekend? Yeah, I think, I think you guys kind of nailed it. It's just the ability to make an impact off the bench so quickly is a rare thing in players, especially in yeah. players that young. And it's just really remarkable. I know we've we've spoken about this York team building an identity this year, right? I think we've spoken earlier about their squad rotation and, and how they set things up. And it seems like Lowell Wright has really embraced this role of being the impact sub, being the guy that they turn to when they need a goal late in the game or they need... They need some extra energy. You know, Julian Ulbricht is maybe the one that that starts and he's quite durable in the first half and he can do lots of good stuff with his hold-up play. And then Lowell Wright comes in, smash and grab in the box, create some chaos sometimes, no kidding. As, as Jimmy Brennan likes to explain sometimes. And it's really, I think, KJ, you kind of were bang on there with they've managed this player well in the late stages because there are York players who are clearly getting quite exhausted oh, yeah. and have looked yep. a lot a lot more fatigued in the last few weeks than they did in, in say August when this York team was really starting to rise. So I think just having a player like Lowell Wright, who still has a little bit of that edge, who, you know, is a little bit fresher than some of the other ones, is going to be extremely valuable for this team. Yeah. Final point on York. They've lost six games all year from 26 games you know, for, for, for a team that has invested incredibly in youth and for doing yeah. it that way, six games, that's it. Pacific have lost more. Forge have lost more. Everybody's lost more apart from Cavalry who've also lost six. And think about how differently Cavalry have, have, have adapted their squad and assembled their squad to, to York. So uh, every credit, every credit. Talking of Cavalry, what a mad game this was. Um, we had the orange ball. We had the snow. We had six <laughs> goals. We had missed penalties. Um, uh, at some point from the far camera angle, it looked like they were kicking a pumpkin around, uh, which was very <laughs> would symbolic. Would have made sense. Yeah, for the week, yeah. the weekend that was. Marty, it was your game, and uh, what a gift this was to you on the weekend of great football. And we we have to we have to mention all of the Tommy Wielden Juniors in the stands. Yes, there were like dude. a dozen awesome. Tommy Wielden Juniors, and they were all fantastic. <laughs> what a, uh, this is a great Halloween uh, uh, tradition I want to see in Calgary. They were all good. They're all bunched together. Uh, Tommy, to his credit, was going rather waving. I, I'd like to see them all line up at halftime and do like uh, uh, find a winner. Who, who is most accurate um but yeah i mean from from those opening moments of seeing those tommy wilton juniors in the stands to when the orange ball was finally kicked this game as you mentioned was absolutely mad you talk about that first 15 minutes or so um tried to recap it on the website the best i could but if anyone hadn't seen you know moses dyer and william akeel for valor hit almost the same part of the crossbar the ball flies back out come down penalty saved joe mason misses again at Spruce Meadows, comes back again. Dyer scores, goes back the other way, and then Camargo scores. And that was, again, all within the first about like 15 minutes, within like eight minutes or so. It was absolutely wild. And then, of course, the scoreline ends 4-2 for Valor, which uh, Cavalry's never given up four goals in any game in the CPL. So that was just quite a mark from a team that, I mean, we should also mention that's lost this team 8-0 before. So um, a massive, sorry, sorry, Valor fans. I had to put that one in for you. Um, just a wild performance. And I mean, we haven't even mentioned what this means for the, uh, for the playoff push, right? They're back in the fourth spot. York took their spot, obviously with their win, but a massive result for, for Phil DeSantos. Just a brilliant game of football for any neutral to watch. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. Cavalry's history, not conceding four goals ever in a game. 
they'd never conceded three at home. Uh, so now they've conceded four in a game. Also, what about Valor? First time they've ever won back-to-back games home and away in the Canadian Premier League since they started the, the, there as well. Um, back to you, Marty, on this. You had the pleasure of doing it and talking to both coaches after. What did you get from that? What was the juice, the, the summary of, I'm sure, an exuberant Phil DeSantos and I would imagine a pretty dejected Tommy Wilden Jr.? We'll talk with Tommy. Here, we'll, we'll start with Tommy. I don't know which Tommy it was. It looked like the real one. I couldn't tell. I, I should have asked. I should ask for his ID or something. Um, he he didn't seem as dejected as you would think, KJ, to be honest. And I think that really stems back to that that opening half and how many chances there were. Um, and he talked about this this Fab Four in attack, which I thought was a, an apt nickname for Ben Fisk, Camargo, obviously Mason and Mo Farsi, who had a, who had a great game. They, they had a great game going forward. They generated lots of opportunities, but... You know, they probably should have scored more than two goals at, at halftime. And then in the second half, I mean, it was it was just it, William McKeel. Like, we have to talk about his performance, obviously, with these two goals. But, like, you know, against the run of play, Valor only had four shots on target, all four goals. Like, he was just clinical and 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 was playing with the utmost confidence, which ended up um, undoing them. From, from Phil and from Valor, it was, you know, they both sat down on the podium and just let out a big sigh. Yeah, <laughs> which was which was which was which meant a lot. Like you know, just talked about the emotion of the game um, and the emotion of getting a result like this, back to back wins, as you mentioned. Like you know, th- this put them in the playoff places. And I like as much as York is in the driver's seat for this, it's it's still very much on for Valor. And like again, Phil was Phil was as ecstatic as he can be. Um, and uh, and they move on to to a massive game against Edmonton on Saturday. Every credit to Valor. It was a must yep. win. And by the way, it happened before the York game. So that put them into that position for a little bit as well. Then then obviously York went and delivered to it was it was almost like that, you know, battle between them. Okay, we'll see what you can do. We'll go again. I'm gonna get a little bit more into Valor in a second, but Charlie, let me ask you this. I feel like Cavalry, every time we watch them, their expected goals is higher than their actual goals. Yes. That's Always. fair, right? That's a fair Absolutely. thing to say. What about this? And and um, this may not be fair, but are they now easier to play against than they were when I thought they were more of a nastier bunch in 2019, right? And I think of like DiKiara falling down mm-hmm. and trying to get that foul in the build-up to cut to, to the Akio second goal. Yeah. David Norman Jr., who's yeah. had a wonderful season but didn't clear the ball as he should have done for Akio to score that. Both Akio goals are great, and Akio again, Gatorade Team of the Week player, you know, Player of the Month contender at a great time. But if you're Cavalry, you handed those goals to them in a way, right? I think yeah. there's, something, there's something to be said about them being a bit more diligent, a bit more nastier. Is that fair? Yeah, Cavalry seem to maybe struggle a little bit with some of Valor's more direct play, right? They they were able to, or Valor were able to get through them with these balls, play these balls through, and just run past defenders, which is never really what you want, especially from a Cavalry team who has traditionally, you know, as you said, run into players and and, right. and knocked them over and, and been really mean. You know, Cavalry haven't been pressing as high this season as they did in other years. And that's partly just because it's a full season. There's lots of games and it's sure. really hard to do that uh, consistently. But I, I'm still surprised that we haven't seen them just try and get at teams defensively a little bit more often. They are giving more space than they have traditionally. And, and I'm not really sure why, because I know that this Cavalry team still has a bite to it occasionally and there have been games where they just are miserable to play against right and even joji kiara is usually probably one of the most frustrating players in a cpl to play against because he is a guy that you know will 
will take your ankles out if he needs to. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's interesting. I'm really not sure what's going on with this cavalry team because you know I, we've been calling saying that they're inefficient with the ball for a few weeks now, and I don't think that's necessarily changed yet. Mm. Um, and and yeah, I think I think there is there is a little bit of that that bite that hasn't quite been there in some of the past few games. I think Klomp was missed, no doubt about that suspension. Yes. Obviously, yeah. uh, huge loss at the back is just that leader. And uh, my word, who takes their next penalty if they get one? Because they're 0 for 3 now. <laughs> Marco Carducci? Uh, I think yeah. David Norman Jr. might be a good one. He can yeah. strike a great Ooh. ball from a free kick. So that's actually a great idea. Give him yeah, a shout. A but shout. Let's do it. And if you're a goal scorer like Mason, that's the worst one, right? You miss yeah. one penalty. You're like, okay, give me another one. You want to get your stats. You want to get your goals. You miss another. And suddenly people start doubting whether you, you can he even step up for the next one. Do you even yeah. give it to him now? Um, talking to goal scorers, one word on William Akio before we move on to the next game. Um, this Valor team, I feel like I want to give Phil DeSantos a ton of credit because he's obviously turned them around in terms of results. But I do want to say that I think that there's been more players available to him than there were before. There's been a lot more yeah. time off in between yeah, games true. a little bit yeah. to help them. And I bring that up as a compliment to William McKeo because they've, they've been able to play him every game. Now, in the first 18 games of the season under Rob Gale, he started 10 matches. And the games come thick and fast. You, we all know we were working them. Games every three or four days, you mm -hmm. couldn't do that. You couldn't. You had to force the rotation. But William McKeo has played every game from the start uh, under Phil DeSantos. And boy, oh boy, Marty has been probably, and there's been others, Gallardo, Galan, yeah. there's been, a, Fordyce has been very, there's been a lot of players that have flourished under him, but he's probably been the big winner of the coaching change here. Yeah, I actually asked Phil about that before this game, because it really has been, he's been playing with a ton of confidence as has Gallardo, but um, he just talked about how he's, he's a consummate professional, like considering his age and people who've checked out his YouTube channel, obviously know he's, <laughs> he is a professional shout out to his, uh, his, his rabid following on YouTube. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. Um, he just, he just does cut as a, as a mature player. We should mention that he scored those two goals, um, yesterday in front of 40 members of his family and friends yeah, in the great. stands. Also Victor Latoria's brother, obviously for cavalry, um, just cuts as mature and just again playing with so much confidence and and he mentioned even after the game he's like with this new coach he's like we all feel reborn and they're playing like that they're playing that's like very that. fair yeah you can see it must win this weekend um for valor at edmondson may well be done before they kick a ball depending on if york can yeah. win the game as well uh but what if what if they aren't done and I remember this, the first tiebreaker in the head-to-head -head battles is wins. And Valor have that in spades over yep. the two. Valor currently have 10 wins. York on eight. Halifax on eight as well. So Valor, if they're able to win that game, uh, they will get to 11 wins, a number that neither York or certainly Halifax can even get close to. So win that game, get to 37 on 11 wins. What are you doing? You're forcing York to have to get to 38. It's not uh, that so straightforward, everyone. It's not, it's that, not straightforward. that straightforward. So, make so if York somehow lose this game against Fords this weekend, they would have to win the last game to beat Valor if Valor win. Uh, lots of ifs and buts there, but I think it was pretty obvious oh, yeah. in terms of how things are going. Uh, a dart throw of making the playoffs is now Halifax Wanderers, who oh, many no. people thought had a pole position on it just less than a week ago. Uh, but just a dreadful week for them. Uh, first of all, destroyed and dismantled by a valid team that could have scored more goals midweek than they did in the 3-0 win over them. And then, a boy, oh boy, Charlie, your game on the weekend and I was there. 
oh, uh, they were all over the place for the at least for the first half an hour. And a Forge team that had three goals inside 25 minutes and probably yeah. could have had two or three more. It was that one sided. It could have been five or six, Charlie. Forge yeah. were brilliant, but Valor, uh, sorry, Halifax all over the place in that first half an hour. Yeah, Halifax is definitely where we have to start. I don't know if we're quite eulogizing them here, but these last two games have been really, really bad. Like they they have not looked like a team in a playoff race, and or certainly not a team that wants to be in a playoff race, no. because they have just been too easy to play against. Certainly, certainly Forge did not have trouble playing passes through their lines. Just Halifax no. seemed a step behind. They were slower than Forge. They Gave way too much space in defending. They allowed players to get lost. Joshua Navarro managed to get completely free in the box for both of his early goals. And I don't know where the defenders were. This is this is a really, really troubling thing for Halifax. And Stephen Hart certainly seemed exhausted after the game by just, you know, this, this has to be frustrating to watch as a coach, right? After oh. your team has been so difficult to beat all year, when it's come down to it in these games that they really need results. They have not been difficult to beat, right? No, pushovers, really. There was a moment after the 3-0 goal went in where they almost officially called a timeout where yeah. they got in a huddle, a huddle. as, yeah. as Forge just celebrated Marty at that point, uh, making it 3-0. Uh, and at that point, you know, as a team, by the way, they'd scored one goal in five matches leading into that, and it was an own goal. At that point, yeah. you know you've lost the game. Right? They know they've lost, no matter what they can do. Every credit, they made some tactical changes in the second half, made three changes at halftime, yeah. and it got better, although Ford, Ford certainly came down a few gears uh, to help them as well, Marty. But to see that, I, I guess it was really a moment there where they just had to say, guys, what are we standing here for? What do we have to believe in ourselves and, and, and represent this team in a better fashion? Yeah, it it really was that first like 20 minutes or so that was just, just have your jaw drop at, at the context of the yeah. game and, and how they were performing. You just kind of mentioned there Navarro, like he could have had a hat trick. He, he was, I think he was the intended target on a cross to Pacias. That was, he could have that had was, four was or missed. five goals in this game. Well, he, he could have yeah. had, he could have had a hat trick like within 20 minutes. Like it yeah. was just like, it was just one of those things where, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. That's really got to be it for their season. Like it, it, it's just such a, it's just such a sad way to go. But at the same time, we should talk about, forge being as charlie put uh over chat this weekend angry forge which we yeah. love to see they were we love to see forge. angry forge they were running like crazy i want to get to forge in a second but before yeah. we finish that does this harm or does this help john morelli's mvp case oh man right because like i like do you guys believe a player can be mvp if they don't make the playoffs that's one question i think needs to be discussed and how bad they've been without him does this help you i ran some numbers there you go listen to this so jao morelli has been on the pitch this season uh for 1344 minutes and during that time halifax have outscored the opponents 2018 Okay, so that's pretty pretty good, right? Not bad, yeah. 1,344 yeah. minutes. I know where this is 20 going. goals, 18 against. He's been off the pitch for 1,050 minutes. And Halifax, seven. Opponents, 15. It's a stark <laughs> oh, no. contrast, right? So, yeah, scored, yeah. so we all know how valuable he is to Halifax. And he's the golden boot winner. And no one's gonna. I don't. And no one's gonna beat him now. No, no. Uh, he's gonna be one of the three. I think pretty obviously going to be shortlisted yeah. here. But do they not making the playoffs? Do they 
does it or should it even matter uh, in terms of impacting Morelli's uh, MVP case, Marty? I think it does because I mean we we have to put in like I think his last goal was would have been late September uh, in the CPL, right? Obviously, yeah, with injury, um, he's kind of fallen out of, of of people's hearts and minds, obviously. But right, it just it just it just I think I think he he's one of the three, but he doesn't win it. I think that's a I think that's a fair compromise considering the season that he's had and the seasons that Halifax has had. I'm not sure, okay. Charlie. What do you think? What do you think, Charlie? Yeah, I might agree with Marty here. I don't necessarily. I like. I'm I'm not a person who necessarily thinks that you have to make the playoffs to be an MVP. Okay. Neither am I. I think I think if you're close, if you're in the race, then absolutely, uh, all the power to you. I mean that stat that they've scored 20 goals in his time on the pitch. He's scored 14 of them himself. Yeah, and I think exactly. he's assisted a couple of them as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's it's inarguable that he's probably the most. He probably is the most valuable player to any CPL team. This which season. would mean that he's probably the MVP. Which, then. which exactly? But are you saying just, he's the most valuable player? <laughs> I might I mean, be. I might be talking myself into it live. But to me, it feels. I mean, it's not his fault. It's it's just an unfortunate circumstance that he hasn't been there at this, this important stage of the season. And just, you know, the, the narrative won't be right. The story won't be right for it because, you know, it, it kind of, they, they've gone out with, with a whimper rather than a bang here. Right. You know, him, him not in the lineup and, and they've just kind of folded a little bit and it's really been unfortunate for Halifax. You know, even I look at the halftime subs This is a tangent, but the halftime subs they made all, all three of those guys are immediately involved on their goal but they're already down three nil. So it's just, it's just too little too late there. But yeah, if Morelli had been around these last couple of games, you do wonder, but I I don't know. It might be different. It might be. be. And it's still time, I suppose. If he scores this weekend and they win the game and it keeps them in playoff contention again, going into that final game between York and Forge, then, then we'll see. But um, but just just imagine where Halifax would be without Morelli though. Just, just for one second. Uh, And I think it's it's, not hard. It's, it's not bottom, hard. bottom of the league, right? Uh, and they have had injuries as well, by the way, a ton of them. I feel for Stephen Hart, a ton of injuries at the wrong time as well. Yeah. Um, and, and Morelli's time of being injured right now in October has not come at the right time. Um, to Forge, and we were both there. We were all there for midweek game against CF Montreal that ended in heartache. Uh, but you had the feeling, depending on what lineup they were going to play, and I did wonder whether they were going to change a bunch of players but ahead of this big week game, CONCACAF game this week against Santos de Guapolis on Tuesday night. But in the end, they played a lot of the players. When they didn't score a goal, despite having all the pressure on CF Montreal, it was like they left a bunch of chances. They came out and said, <laughs> we're just going to score goals now instead. Yeah. And it was almost like the game kicked off immediately after the CF Montreal game. And yeah. as you said, yeah. ang- angry forwards, like, all right, we can't score against these guys. All right, we'll score against this lot. And sometimes when you leave a little bit behind in one match, Charlie, you yeah. can go and get the rest. And, and thankfully, Halifax helped them a little bit on that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That uh, that game on Wednesday, an emotional night, no doubt. Uh, they come in here, and yeah, they they were absolutely on a mission from minute one. They are saying we are having none of Halifax. We are not having any nonsense. We're scoring immediately, and we're getting the business done here very quickly. And then you know, moving directly onto that Santos game, they've kind of you know broken the broken the floodgates after Montreal. So many chances they they yeah. kind of left on the table there. And they're coming in to this Santos game with a lot more momentum and a lot of a lot of really good form. And it's 
Forge are just such an incredible team because you said that they didn't make that many changes, but you know, I look at the team and I, I, at first glance, I'm like, yeah, that looks very similar to the team against Montreal, but they had an entirely different front three. They did, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and Paulo Sabak started. I mean, that's the thing with Forge is they're just so deep at the moment. Yeah, full of obviously, you know, Ashinoni Onsen, the first game he didn't play in the CPL this season. Um, Christian was terrific. Samuel was obviously not playing, but they they had an opportunity there to change the front three around and and, and not miss a beat. And that's again back to our point about in a massive game, like who's their best three going forward? Where does Borges fit in? I thought Sabak did well, well, and Becker played as a six. Uh, again, and he's done that also. It is another guy you need to talk about with as, as a potential MVP, by the way, as well, oh, yeah. because he was absolutely magnificent in this game. Again, um, I mean, I know he played again, he played in, as a six against Halifax. He basically played with a cigar in his mouth, um, around the field, yeah. by the way. It was as easy as it comes for him, but it, it, was, it was just brilliant to watch again. The spacing and the off the ball movement for Forge and the, the, the their overall ability to just keep passing and moving is is like no other team. And this is where we're at right now, guys, is that they've been playing in all these competitions. They're getting to play in the CONCACAF League. We'll get to that in a second. But now they're six points away from four games from being the top team, from being the top team. With everything that's come against them, all they need to do is win two of the last four, Marty. And again, it's got to go through Forge if they're going to win this, who's going to win this league. Thinking about watching that game, and, and you're kind of touched on a little bit of the rotation, but also like a player like Kyle Becker starts. It's like this team is never gassed or tired. And while that is definitely, if you ask Bobby, that's like, oh, yeah, that has to do with the depth. But also, there's just these players that, like, again, like Kyle Becker, like he just keeps playing. <laughs> and and it's, and it's exactly. And you, and you think about, like, think about some of the running, like, you kind of touched on the movement there. Like, in that goal, I think it was the second Navarro goal the movement between Awua and Schwanier was like, was incredible. And the running was, 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 they just didn't stop, right? They just, yeah. just, they just didn't stop. And it was just one of those things you're just watching being like, how is this a team that had an absolute, for one, just a demoralizing loss to CF Montreal. Like they were the better team that should have went through. And now you're looking ahead to, again, as Bobby said in, in the pre-match press conference to this game, their biggest match in club history, no doubt against Santos, bigger right. than Montreal. And right. how and how do they just keep doing this? It's um, it's uh, I mean, what what else are you supposed to say about it? It's just mesmerizing. Final word then on that game. Um, and by the way, what a week we've got here in the Canadian Premier League. Forge against Santos Guapolis, trying to get through to the Champions League, uh, which is a bigger carrot than semi-final of the Concacaf League. Get you know they they can get through to the Champions League next season. That's right, the legit Concacaf Champions League. And Pacific come to Toronto to play against the TFC in the semi-final of the Canadian Championship as well on Wednesday night. Uh, full coverage on CanadianPremierLeague.ca, Campiel.ca, and all of our sites and all of our YouTube channel are coming up this week as well on that. So keep posted on that. A word on Forge. It should be said to those who aren't aware, they can get through to the CONCACAF Champions League without progressing through. They are down 3-1 from the first leg. They obviously want to win the game 2-0 and progress or win the game any way they can. Um, but if they win the game and do not get through, they have a chance here. Basically, there's six teams who qualify through the CONCACAF League in 2021 to next year's CONCACAF Champions League. Four semi-finalists. 
and two losing quarterfinalists. There are only three losing quarterfinalists this year because of one team uh, was taken out, and you can check out why. It's hilarious. I'm not going to get into it uh, right now, but go out and check the video um, or just Google it. And then, so basically, there's three teams playing for these six for, for this two spots of losing quarterfinalists, and Forge are in a great spot. If they win the game, I think it's pretty much, it's not definite, but it's pretty much clear they should be okay here with the result of the, the, the Marathon Montegua game. Uh, but Charlie, with all that said, I don't think they'll be thinking about trying to win a game 1-0. They're going into this trying to believe they can win this whole thing and get through to the next uh, next stage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know this is the first thing that all of the, the Forge group were saying after that that 3-1 is, you know, they just have to win a game 2-0 two, two at home. And if they can't do that, then what are we doing here? We've seen them do that tons of times, right? They just, right. obviously Halifax are, are several levels below the Santos team at the moment, but you know, Forge can play like that against anybody really. And they're in good form. They've been playing excellent football in the last week. And I think they've definitely got enough in the tank for this night. I, I don't know what the weather is supposed to be on Tuesday night at Tim Hortons field, but that might also go in Forge's favor. It's right. been getting it's cold, a lot yeah. colder. It's been getting a lot colder around here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I, yeah. the more the, the closer we get to this second leg, the better I'm feeling. <laughs> a balmy three degrees. A balmy three degrees. Yeah, that. So that's perfect it, for it's, Forge. It's, Santos it's going to be windy be though. It's going to be it's windy always for sure. windy at Tim Hortons Field. Of course, always windy. Nice little wind chill. So, yeah, yeah. This this will be a lot of fun. It's be a lot of fun. Check out the games live on One Soccer this week, Tuesday night uh, from Tim Hortons Field, a massive occasion. And then Wednesday night, again, another big occasion for the league and for Canadian soccer, a specific take on Toronto FC. Um, that should be special, boys. We'll all be there on that, for that one as well. Um, they came close last week, Forge to beat CF Montreal, Pacific against TFC. Um, a little bit more of a bigger hill to climb. Uh, certainly because TFC rested a bunch of players when they went to Atlanta this past week in MLS because they know that it's a season-defining game for them. Um, but this is just going to be fun, no? I mean, there's, there's a lot of players out there, uh, Marco Bustos and many others who have been waiting for an opportunity, and probably that is the storyline. No, Marty Bustos, with not getting the chance to play against the Whitecaps, didn't know if he gets his chance against an MLS team this year, is back. Firing and healthy and great to see me back on the pitch against TFC. Just kind of touch on it there. There are multiple players in specific team that can make the jump to, to MLS, but he is the one guy. He is the guy for one, but he's also <laughs> yeah. the guy that, that didn't get his opportunity against the Whitecaps. I'm thinking he's going to have a big game. I, I'm thinking I he's going to so. have a big game. Pacific. You know, how we, you know how we it got might. angry Forge? We got angry Forge this weekend. Oh, We might get angry Pacific on Wednesday. Pissed Pacific for sure. I go. really hope so. I really hope there you so. You need a response, no doubt. It's 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 a massive challenge, no doubt about it. Um, I think uh, my colleague Gareth Wheeler, who said um, impossible for York to go to TFC, is calling another impossible uh, for Pacific at TFC. So we'll see no, we'll whether see. he's right we'll on see. that. But uh, yeah. We'll see. It'd be good. It'd be fun. Looking forward to it. Uh, Our time is up. We can't thank you enough for spending 43 minutes plus with us. And we appreciate your love for the Canadian Premier League and for all the games. Have a good week, everybody. And as I said, more coverage all across these big games this week, campiel.ca and on our YouTube channel. Enjoy the games as usual. Take care of each other. And we'll see.